I was using Recio, I was using other acronyms, but I really couldn't find one that worked well for me. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Just a note now, stick around until the end of the show to hear another one of my always exciting days of TV news stories. Now, firefighters have a love-hate relationship with acronyms. There's Slicers, Recio, Revis. In fact, Firehouse Magazine once published a list of 300 acronyms and abbreviations. One of the newest is Slab Savers. It's a way to define two kinds of fire scene elements. Slab helps define whether it will be an offensive or defensive attack. Savers gives us the specifics of that attack. Our guest today is here to explain how to apply those acronyms. Jesse Quinalti is a master instructor and the owner of Red Helmet Training in Southern California. We'll have more on his program a little later. Jesse's been a speaker at FDIC, Firehouse World, Firehouse Expo, and many other major conventions. He's a captain with the San Bernardino County Fire Department working in Division 6, and was the operations and training captain at his previous department. And Jesse Quinalti, welcome to Code 3. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on the show. What prompted you to come up with this acronym? As I was going through and working towards actually taking my own captain's test a while ago, many years ago, I was using Recio, I was using other acronyms, but I really couldn't find one that worked well for me or one that made sense for me. Revis came around in the early 80s and I started using that. And then obviously once we actually implemented Rapid Intervention Crew, that wasn't embedded in Recio or Revis. So I kind of came up with favors. And as I started my own training company and teaching command and control with our digital simulation program and tabletop, we actually implemented savers. So that search, attack, ventilation, the E is extension or exposures, depending on if it's uh, internal or external. And then RIC, the, the big component that was missing out of the other ones, and then salvage. So savers was kind of an easy transition to me. And a few, a few years ago, we came up with a slab to try to uh, profile the structure in a 360 and actually determine the strategy. You've mentioned Recio and Revis. Aside from the things you've said about those, why why do you find them inadequate and what about slicers? You know, I think I think slicers is actually great for the uh, firefighter that pulls up on scene and you start looking at what actually needs to be done, obviously cooling the environment and doing certain things. But I don't I personally don't see it as a command acronym. I use I use that savers to actually work through the process 
And it also can be taken from the task level to the tactical level. So as you build out that instant command system, it goes from initiating fire attack or the A and eventually becomes attack group or it becomes initiating ventilation and then they will either assume ventilation group or be assigned to another truck company that is the ventilation group. So we actually were able to build that out in that ICS structure and use columns on a, a tablet or a worksheet and actually put those resources under each letter to build out the ICS. Before we go any further, is it hard to get an acronym like this accepted by the fire service in general? What have you done to get to that point? You know, it's it's funny that you bring that up, especially when we brought in the second part with the slab. I mean, obviously, slab savers isn't really a, a great uh, friendly term for firefighters. The great thing about it is it's actually kind of helped me out in the in the conferences and teaching that because we've literally had students the first thing I'll do is ask, why did you choose to take this program? Obviously, there's plenty of great educational opportunities at every conference. And there's plenty of them that say, you know, I, I saw the title. It kind of made me upset. And I wanted to see what you were going to say. But the big thing about it is, is in today's fire environment, if you're not looking at every single building that we go into uh, as a possibility of becoming a slab, then, then that, that acronym shouldn't be upsetting you. You should be looking at as, hey, there's sometimes in buildings with the new modern fire behavior and the building construction and everything else that we have to actually do that more of a risk versus gain assessment. And sometimes they become a slab. It's not, it's nothing against the fire service, but sometimes we have to actually look at the risk we're taking. Okay, so this acronym is pretty detailed. You mentioned some of it, but let's break it down. Slab stands for which? So the slab savers, uh, with the slab, the slab is where you start. And that's actually, again, like I said, profiling the building in your 360. And each one of those letters uh, gets associated to a basically a traffic signal, red light, yellow light, green light. So as you do your 360 around the structure, you're going to look at the safety profile being the S. This could be anything that could actually create some safety issues that will make it to where your crew has to go defensive for whatever reason, those hazards that you can't mitigate. So it could be anything from power lines that you can't deal with uh, or electrical problems, hazardous materials, uh, partial building collapse. It could be a drug lab, uh, any types of those types of things that are actually going to create a safety issue for your firefighting. The L is the life profile. So embedded into your life profile is actually, do you need two in, two out? Is it actually a life rescue fire based on do you have a known rescue? So somebody in the front yard staying their babies inside or the neighbor, something that actually does that. And, and obviously that's going to go part into your strategy is do you have a rescue? The A is the air track. And we've obviously in the fire service been talking a lot about flow path, reading smoke. So that A actually is going to help you determine how much fire do I have and do I have such a flow path or such extreme conditions that we're not going to be able to go offensive on the fire. And then the B is the building profile, which is obviously the huge one. What do you have? Is it pre-33 construction or big box, uh, lightweight truss? All things that you're actually profiling all the time on, should I be going inside the structure? Is it stavable? And is it worth actually the risk we're taking depending on what we're doing? And then SAVERS comes after that in real life as well as in the phrase, what does that stand for? Yeah, so once you profile the structure and determine that you're going to go offensive, um, then again, the, uh, the S being search. So the number one thing that we're going to be doing on the fire is, is actually, obviously, uh, life safety. 
So we want to actually make sure that we're getting a good search done. And the way that we actually do that in the SAVERS acronym, we always wanted to make sure that we broke search and attack away from each other. The days of us actually saying, Engine 2, you're going to go in and get a primary search and do fire attack. Um, I think that in today's fire environment, we talk about what it's doing for us, but we don't really talk about what it's actually doing for the victims. High heat, just black, dirty ag aggregate smoke, um, and, and we need to get in there and get a search. So we separated search and attack completely away from each other, and we want separate engine companies doing that. So search, A is the attack. V, again, ventilation. We're going to continue to do that, whether that's vertical or horizontal or whatever means you're going to do with that. And again, the E is actually duplicated. It's extension, if it's actually internal, from room to room or in a commercial building or in a strip mall where you're actually checking for extension in the next unit over. More exposures if you're actually having a, another building exposed to the fire. So that would be the E. R is RIC or RIT, depending on what you're using, rapid intervention crew or rapid intervention team. And that, that again, can also build into a RIC group with multiple RIC teams underneath it. And then, uh, of course, salvage. Um, we're still there to save property and do that. I'll be back with more right after this. Every day, you put your life on the line to protect our families, friends, communities, cities, and our nation. Federal Resources knows the dangers you encounter daily. Whether it's fire, hazmat, or the more recent opioid threats, we're here to support you, protect you, and help train you for your next mission. You're looking out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Federalresources.com. It sounds to me like you're advocating more transitional attacks. Is that right? No, obviously transitional attack is definitely a, a big part of the fire service nowadays. And uh, we can use it uh, very effectively with the SLAB SAVERS acronym. And with the SLAB and that air track, if you can actually control the fire, bring it under your terms, and then actually go in and actually save lives and property, then obviously that's the goal. As an aside, I've been having an ongoing Twitter discussion with some firefighters who say that slicers and acronyms like that are causing more trouble than they're repairing. Do you agree that slicers is problematic, or do you think it's just incomplete? You know, I don't, I don't think slicers is causing havoc. Uh, I know the International Society of Fire Service Instructors put in a a lot of good work into that, and it is based on the new modern fire behavior environment. The big thing about it is it doesn't matter what acronym you use. Um, you know, I, I don't have anything against Lloyd Lehman. I, I love Lloyd Lehman. And the big thing about it with Recio, like I said, for me, it just didn't work. I look at Recio, those last three letters can find, extinguish, and overhaul the fire. That's what I'm expecting my fire attack crews to do. So for me, it was just those letters weren't, weren't working. So I, whether it's an acronym that you don't like or Wallace was hot, Cole was well, there's so many of them out there, like you said, you just have to figure out which one works for you and works for you best. And Slab Savers was one that made sense to me. I want each one of those things to make sense. You mentioned the fact that these days we should not be assigning one, one crew to go in and do search and rescue and fire attack. How has the environment changed? In other words, was it all right to do that in years past, but things have changed now, or are we just seeing things differently? You know, I, I don't know if it's just that the environment's changed so much that 
that that's changed my philosophy on that. But if we're true and realistic to ourselves, one crew being assigned to fire attack and primary search, we know that one of those probably isn't getting done. And unfortunately, it's, it's primary search. Because as you're stretching a line in with your crew, going through the house or through the building to go find that fire and find the fire and, and extinguish that fire, usually the only way you were actually going to find those patients or victims was if you tripped on them on the way to the fire. So we always wanted to make sure that uh, in that SAVERS acronym, we separated it, like I said. And the way that we do that a lot of times in the, the simulator programs we do or whatever the case may be, that two in, two out, those crew members that are the two out, eventually they're going to transition into the structure once the rapid intervention crew engine gets there. And those two members, we actually just say, hey, you're going to be assigned to fire attack and get me a primary search, but they're actually the search crew that's doing that. On a large scale of savers, we can actually have an attack group and a search group. So let's say we have a multi-story building and it's a hospital or a apartment complex with a senior living apartment complex. You can literally have those broken into divisions. They're doing fire attack and search under division two. And if it's such a large fire attack problem and such a large search problem, then division two would just be responsible for fire attack and extension of the fire. And then we separate into the group and it would be the search group working on division two. So we always wanted to design savers to where it can be built out and modulized as big as that instant gets. Where do your truck companies fit into this? Are they still going up to the roof to ventilate, or do you have a different idea of how they should be assigned? We at my department, we're still very aggressive with truck companies, but uh, it's another one of those that is going through a debate uh, in the American Fire Service. And whether that is from our counterparts in other countries that are actually talking about that they don't go to the roof and they look at what other statistics and what's safer and what's not. And then obviously now you have Don Abbott bringing up, bringing up the, the RIC study and looking at how much of the percentage of your RIC activations are from truck companies on the roof. It's definitely a big thing that we need to continue to look at. And UL is doing the big studies on is vertical ventilation actually effective. So I think it's, I think it's kind of early to kind of say, hey, but there's no place for truck companies anymore. I think that's obviously a big stretch. But uh, how we're doing ventilation, why we're doing ventilation, those are still uh, valid questions that need to be asked. Well, I'm not suggesting there's no place for them if they don't go up to the roof. But what I'm getting at is how do they fit into your, your strategy with savers? Yeah, so with savers, we're still looking for the truck companies to uh, to do vertical ventilation or horizontal ventilation, depending on the need. And again, it's it's designed to be built out. So under that V in the acronym, that first truck company that's actually going to the roof, they're going to be initiating vertical ventilation. They're not a group yet. They're not roof division or not ventilation group. And then eventually that second truck company that has a better situational awareness and that 50-foot view the captain from that second truck becomes a ventilation group. So if I'm actually using a tactical worksheet using savers or doing it on tablet command, if I'm using paper, that truck company actually gets circled on my piece of paper. If it's tablet command, and I just assign them to being in charge of the group, the ventilation group. How has slab savers been received in the real world? And here I'm not referring to conferences, but in terms of how much is being applied that you can tell, how, how well has it been received? I've had several fire departments around the country that have actually latched onto the concept. 
but it's still a new concept that's growing. So, you know, we get we get a lot of, of feedback from the uh, program. Most people really like the concept and the ideas and how we break down an incident. But again, I think it still comes down to what works best for you. And there's always going to be departments that are building their own SOPs and their own programs. There's there's blue card out there. There's plenty of programs, but it still comes down to, hey, just get out there, run simulations, prepare for the fire. I mean, that's the goal. All right, Jesse Quinalti, thanks for talking with us today on Code 3. Thanks, Scott. I do appreciate it. And we put some more information on Jesse's company, Red Helmet Training, as well as Slab Savers, on our website at code3podcast.com slash slab. Check it out. Look out, here comes your trivia question. What defines type 5 building construction? I'll have the answer right after this. Now's your chance to get your hands on Code 3 t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more. Show your support for the podcast that supports firefighters from coast to coast. Just go to Code3Podcast.com and click on the Code 3 store link. Or go to Code3Podcast.com slash shop and tell the world that you're a Code 3 fan. Here's the trivia answer. Type 5 construction is wood-framed construction. The walls and roofs are made of combustible material, usually wood, and if the walls are wood-framed, the roof usually is as well. Studies have found that lightweight construction will fail within minutes of direct fire exposure, so watch out. That dramatic music means it's time for another story from Scott's TV News Archive. This one happened in Phoenix in early 2001. At the time, I was flying the News Chopper 3 helicopter for KTVK-TV in Phoenix. I was still flying with an instructor who was a very experienced pilot, and we found ourselves hovering over a major accident on Interstate 10 in the middle of town at about 5 o'clock. Every TV station's helicopter was out there because it was a big deal at rush hour, and every now and then the station would take a live picture from our helicopter. But mostly the air crews were getting bored sitting up there in one spot, just waiting to be taken live next. That's when the pilot of Sky Fox 10 called over and said, Hey, who's that sitting in your left seat? Scott Bowerbank, the pilot who was working with me, said, Oh, that's Scott Orr. He's an assignment editor, and he's been flying the helicopter a bit. Just then, Jim Cox, our photographer sitting in the back seat, said, Is Sky Fox 10 looking at us with their super amazing Ultra Zoom 3000? I said, Yep, apparently they are spying on us. Jim said, tell you what, turn the helicopter 90 degrees so our door is facing their nose. So I looked around to make sure there was nobody in the immediate area, and I went ahead and did a pedal turn while we were at a hover. I couldn't quite tell what happened in back until a minute later. Jim slid open the door, and at 500 feet above the freeway in Phoenix, Arizona, he mooned the Sky Fox 10 helicopter. I figured out what happened as he started to get back into his seat. 
And the pilot from Sky Fox said, that's going right on the Christmas reel. That's how I learned that sometimes air crews and TV news get a little bored and do things at 500 feet above a freeway that people would freak out over if they saw. Apparently nobody did and no one was the worst for wear. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.